Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode. Today is also sponsored by SoFi. SoFi is transforming the world of banking. They recognize how unhappy people were with their banks and decided there has to be a better way. So they created one. Find out more about them at SoFi.com, S-O-F-I.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com. Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode. You may know me as the new CEO of Zenefits, but in my spare time, I talk tech and you're listening to Recode Decode, a podcast about tech and media's key players, big ideas, and how they're changing the world we live in. You can subscribe to Recode Decode at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. And while you're there, leave us a review. Today in the red chair, we have Sam Shank, the CEO of Hotel Tonight. Before co-founding Hotel Tonight in 2010, he founded two other travel startups, Travel Post and DealBase. Today, Hotel Tonight is active in hundreds of cities on five continents and is growing enormously. I happen to be a user of it, too. It's one of the few products I actually do use and like very much. Hello, Sam. Well, thank you. Thank you for being a user. So Great you to be have here. a fan, so try not to disabuse me of my delight in Hotel Tonight. So we're going to talk about a bunch of things, about where the market is, about unicorns, which, of which you are one of them about where things are going in travel. So let's start about the founding of Hotel Tonight. You know, a lot everything's been digitized, everything's been appized. This had been around. Travel had been a very early internet disrupted industry, you know, with all kinds of companies going back a long way. So talk about what was different and like talk about the history of it a little bit. Yeah, so we're five years old. So it was about, I don't know, six years ago now. And I was looking at the app ecosystem as as an entrepreneur. You look at these big platform shifts and you see sort of where the world's going. And, and my whole career, you sort of like wait for these platform shifts to happen. And then you say, all right, what's a great business to do? And mm-hmm. I'd been in travel for five years before that. I'd done two startups. I was running the second one. That was profitable. I was looking to do something. That did what? Deal-based? Deal-based is, it's still around. It's mm-hmm. a price comparison site. It's kind of sure. like deals meets uh, kayak. Mm-hmm. Um, and it provides a lot of value, um, but it wasn't sort of the change the world, make my mark on the universe type of idea. And I was mm-hmm. ready for that. Right. And so then I started thinking, what is it going to be like when travel and apps meet? Why do all the big guys either don't have a travel app? So this is so like Expedia, Expedia didn't have TripAdvisor. Trip had one, uh, but it was really bad. It was mm-hmm. just for, it was like a website inside an app. Mm-hmm. Um, and then Hotels.com had one, but again, they were they were not really rethinking the entire experience for the app ecosystem. Right, it's web-based. It's, it's, a, it's a desktop-based paradigm. Exactly. So they were taking all that they learned and they have great websites, but they didn't necessarily repurpose those for an app. So I was like, what if you build from the ground up uh, a travel app and you threw away everything and started over? What's it going to look like? Well, it's going to be speed. It's going to be convenience. And it's going to focus on what you can do at the last minute when you're mobile, when you're not in front of your desktop anymore. Right. And that last, last, last minute booking window, which is tonight. And so we said, but it's not tonight. Anymore. Well, not anymore, but, yeah, but we'll that's the original, you know, we can talk about that for sure. And I call the, it hotel tonight, tomorrow and the next day, but go ahead. Right. Hotel this week. It's, yeah. it's totally fine. We're open yeah. to all the feedback on that for sure. But the, so we, we started thinking about that. We built it from the ground up. We built it in 10 weeks from a sketch all the way to the app store and really hustled and uh, realized that, Hey, there is not only just a product here, not only just a, a company here, but a whole shift in how people are thinking about booking hotels. It's going to be more spontaneous. It's going to be about on-demand consumption. This was before on-demand was 
was on demand. Mm -hmm. uh, it was before Uber had launched. And so it was just piecing things together and really the, the knowledge of the travel industry coming together into the perfect storm of timing and then getting this product out there. What was wrong with the way people, because again, online travel was early, early. It was one of the first things on the internet that became popular, booking your own airline for one. Yep. How is disruption ripe for disruption? Why did that, do you know what I mean? Because that's what really happened here. Yeah, no, I think that one of the things that happens is travel is a really big purchase category and it's an area of tremendous passion for people. So if I said, all right, you've got a week off from work and you've got to spend five grand, what would people do? They're not going to sit around. Uh, mm -hmm. They're going to go on a trip. So people think about this a lot. They dream about this a lot. And we gave people a new way to think about that. So they latched onto it immediately. So I think that there's just tremendous passion within the category, which makes it easy to disrupt. There's also tremendous dollars and margin in it. Mm -hmm. It's the largest category of e-commerce. Um, and because it's a virtual good, because also there's a lot of excess capacity in the system. Sure. And, and, there's, the, and it's a lot with data. Like and what it's a is, lot of data. Right. Exactly. So you worked closely with hotels. Now, one of the things you did, I think that was smart, was you made it hip looking. And you gave little reviews, but they really weren't that big a review. It was just a hip or you name the hotels. What's solid? That's always like, ugh, that's not so good. There's, you know what I mean? You put It's sort of like putting Instagram filters on things. And then you took beautiful pictures, and then you made it super easy to check in and check out, which is one of the things that sort of bothers me. And I see why, you know, I just, I do it through your app. And it's a little like, it is like ordering an Uber or like ordering a meal. It reminds me a lot of munchery and those kind of things. Were you thinking about it like that or what was the concept? Oh, I mean, it was all before those those services. Yeah. So, so they copied you. But, well, I don't, don't no, know I'm about teasing. that. I think that we, we probably uh, saw the world the same way. And But one of the things we did early on was look at the number of taps it took to complete a booking. Right. And we're still obsessive about that. It's three taps and a swipe to make a booking. It's always been three taps and a swipe. It's uh, 10 seconds. And we keep that as a core piece of what we do. It's uh, mm -hmm. There's no way we're going to change that. And that's really given us a lot of focus around simplicity and and the the on demand you know solving that on demand need and everything then flows from that. So instead of doing star ratings, which don't necessarily tell you what the hotel is going to be like, we simplify mm -hmm. it down into is it hip, is it lux, solid, mm -hmm. which is in the the middle of the road, you mm -hmm. know maybe a, a branded hotel mm -hmm. or basic. We even have a crash pad category too, which is a, like a hostel. No, I haven't gotten that. Um, and you might be more in the high roller category, okay, which is yeah, also I'm a high roller. Uh, at the bottom of the list, you'll see high rollers in major cities, uh, yeah. which is like a suite or a, a penthouse or something mm -hmm. that's often on a big discount count because it's hard for those hotels to fill those right. at the full price. So talk a little bit about hotels looked at you. I mean, obviously the entire travel industry, and I want to talk later about Airbnb and other things, is under siege. There's all kinds of things happening. They have their own websites. They're trying their own things. Not as successful doing their own things. You know, I don't run to the Hilton or Hyatt or Four Seasons or wherever I might be staying. I don't interact with them that way. And in fact, I don't make hotel bookings there anymore. Talk a little bit about how you approach the hotel industry, because they're sort of, I would imagine, shell-shocked about how their businesses are run now, because the same thing with restaurants, the same idea. Well, you know, hotels are actually having the best years ever. So because they have access to more consumers. Um, and it, the, the market is really good. They're being more efficient in their marketing channels. We're helping them with their last-minute demand. So they're filling their hotels up um, more readily and, and more than ever before. So mm -hmm. occupancy rates are up. And that's happened and started five years ago when we launched, and it's continued until now. So hotels are generally very happy. In terms of what we did in, in the relationship with hotels is we did change, and we've stated one of our, our goals is to, to build a company that has uh, that embodies respect for both sides of the marketplace. 
And mm-hmm. uh, so more like Lyft in, in that way. Um, right. And so we wanted to partner with our hotels, not compel them or force them to do anything, but just provide them with a great service that delivered, and then they'd come back and use it. So we said, and this was in the era of Groupon. Mm-hmm. So go back five years. Groupon hadn't done their, their S1. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew that it wasn't a great business. So there were like a thousand Groupon clones out there. They were all calling the hotels every day saying, hey, give us a discount on your rooms. Sure. Give us 30% margin, and we'll fill up your hotel. And hotels were like, what are you talking about? This is silly. It doesn't make sense for us. We went in with a very different message. One, we're mobile only. And if they didn't hang up the phone on us, maybe we could then have a conversation at that point. They're like, we don't want another Groupon. Um, mm-hmm. Once we got past that, then we could say, hey, we are asking for a discount, but, but, but only on the rooms that you're not going to sell. And they're like, oh, well, that makes a lot of sense. Right. And right. so we could go into the very, and to this day, that's the value proposition that we have. Mm-hmm. And we've expanded the booking window slightly, but it's still the rooms that you're not going to sell. It's the incremental rooms. Right. And that has when led to- When did they decide that? We'll talk about that in a second. Like how, I'd love to know the mechanics behind this because it must be really, it's sort of, it's probably even more complex. Restaurants is how I would imagine the similar thing is filling tables and figuring out stuff like that. So you consider yourself a cooperative partner of them, like not a disruptor of their businesses, but... Yeah, if, if we're disrupting their businesses, we're not going to have a business. So we want to disrupt, if anything, we want to disrupt Expedia and Priceline's business. Mm-hmm. And we have put a dent in their last minute booking growth for sure. So and when we get away- back, we're going to talk about them and how you battle the larger people because you're running past them right now, essentially. If you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. Listen to it while on the road or at the gym. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. Audible Contact includes more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Audible carries audiobooks in every genre imaginable, business, classics, history, and self-development, just to name a few. Sam, what book? You're an Audible. You listen to Audible. You yeah, Audible is my, saves my commute. Yeah. So, so where do you commute from? Uh, San Mateo. Okay. So w- what book should I listen to? Well, I just, so I finished The Martian, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm, a, I'm pretty nerdy. And mm-hmm. so if you look at my Audible queue, it's filled with a lot of fantasy and science fiction. And right. one of the ones that I've really enjoyed is uh, either The Name of the Wind or the Magic 2.0 series. What, and both why? of those. Tell me. Well, they're about sort of magic or about fantasy, but then they've got this real logic to them. Mm-hmm. So every piece of magic really works and makes sense. I mean, if you believe in magic, but mm-hmm. you have to you know, go there. But then once you do, it's like really, really well thought out mm-hmm. and really well executed. The guy that writes The Name of the Wind takes years to write these books, and they're very long and very detailed, but very cool. And you like listening yeah, to Yeah, and I'm you know, sort of a, I'm an English major, but an engineer at heart. And right. so I like Perfect. the- Perfect. Uh, All right. Like magic 2.0 and Name of the Wind. Okay. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from over 180,000 audio programs. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. We're here with Sam Shank, who is the CEO and co-founder of Hotel Tonight, which is a terrific product I actually use. I don't use a lot of products I talk to people about, but this one I do. Talk a little bit about the competition with the bigger Expedia. There's Kayak, I guess. There's TripAdvisor and then Airbnb. Let's talk about sort of the market in general in the space. How do you look at it and how do you look at your competitive advantage or your challenges as a smaller company? Yep. So the first order or first area of competition is with the online travel agencies. So mm-hmm. Expedia, Priceline, Kayak, 
they all perked up their ears really, really quickly and much quicker than we expected once we launched. And they said, wow, this is a big opportunity for us. We're not doing anything there. Mm-hmm. And they added last minute hotel booking on their apps. They, mm-hmm. in, the, in many cases, they added apps. They mm-hmm. added what um, is called now in the industry, a last minute mobile discount, a mobile exclusive discount. Mm-hmm. Um, and they followed our lead there. And mm-hmm. so we've maintained a price advantage though, because what we do is we don't display every hotel. We display first a curated selection, as you mentioned, right. we work with really good hotels mm-hmm. that we quality control. We'll kick hotels off if they fall below a level of quality. Then within that queue of hotels that are providing inventory for that night, we'll show about 15. Um, Mm -hmm. In New York, there might be hundreds of hotels bidding for those 15 spots. Mm -hmm. So the deals are very good. Our deals are 17% less than you'd find on another uh, online travel agency's mobile app. Um, So there's a lot of value there. And that's one of the ways we compete is we're better on pricing and Mm -hmm. we're also going to save you time. Is pricing the thing people want or convenience or what? Both. 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 You've got to, you know, it's it's like uh, Lyft and Uber. If you save people time and money, um, and you do it in a big way, then you're going to build a big business. And for us, at 10-second bookings, we've got really great customer service. We can talk about our ACES concierge program mm-hmm. um, that we're rolling out now that's uh, that's getting really great traction. So that, and then the pricing being better. But you mm-hmm. have to deliver on both, I think, um, right. and provide a distinctive experience. It can't just be the same thing that you experience somewhere else. Right. So w- what do you imagine differentiates startups as a startup creator what what is it i mean in your case i think it's very slick it's fast it's the prices are good i have no idea if they're perfect you know it's just easier to use i think easy to use would be something what are some of the things that you think are must-haves as an entrepreneur when you're creating these customer service experiences it could be about anything you know really restaurants as i said food delivery yeah you know i think a lot about that it has to be better um, but it also has to be different Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're just if we went out with Expedia Expedia's app and it was like ten dollars less on every hotel, yeah, you know people might be interested in that, but most people are going to be like, ah, this is pretty much the same thing, or they're not going to remember it and they're not going to tell their friends. If you go out and and being around travel, I know that it's a big market. It's really hard to stand out. You've got to be really really different on every playing field um, possible on every dimension possible. So we went out with only a few hotels. Um, We went out with three cities when we launched. Um, Went out with only good hotels. Our merchandising, our vibe, you know, was very hip hip, and conversational. Mm -hmm. We wanted to feel like your best, cool best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, And the other thing we did was we limited the business. So we were only tonight, Mm -hmm. uh, which was very bizarre for people. They're like, why would you... Right. Download an app just for tonight, right. and we told the reasons. And then the other was that we were only on mobile. Our website, this was when we launched when mobile had 1% penetration in online mm-hmm. travel, and our website just linked to the App Store. And that was very weird and bizarre at that time. Now, mm-hmm. there's plenty of companies That's that do it. That's how people make those, yeah. those, those reservations now. Yep. Did you anticipate, you know, you have not just tonight now, right? You've switched to tomorrow. How long How long has it gone? So been? it's a week out. So, I mean, okay. the background on that is that we were hearing from people like, I love hotel tonight, need some more flexibility at times. We started thinking about what is our business? It's tonight is a metaphor for spontaneity. And our core emotion that we're serving is scratching that itch of being serendipitous and Mm -hmm. saying, all right, I'm going to turn date night into an overnight. I'm going to extend this business trip in the moment. Um, And that's uh, to solve that problem of helping people be spontaneous. On Tuesday, booking a weekend getaway for my folks, that is highly spontaneous. They've never done that (laughs) before, before Hotel Tonight. Um, But booking at 10 p.m. on a Friday for that weekend getaway, um, that was just too much for them. What is important to people when they're thinking, when you're you're in the noisy app universe. What other competitors are you in this? You see in the space that you're worried about. What do you worry about as a creator of an app and a phone dependent company? 
we've been very happy with the the platforms themselves, and we have great relationships with Google and Apple, and and work with them on their new features and and you know the the new capabilities of the platform and the devices. Um, you know, I worry about our own execution way more than I worry about any. Uh, external threats and you are more business travel or, or pleasure travel. It's about half and half at this point, so really? it's grown. It, it started as more leisure, so the weekends are still our biggest days. So we've got big usage on the weekends, but the weekdays are heating up too for us. Mm -hmm. And together, that's about half and half. Interesting. So, and you've been funded. How much money have you raised? We raised about eighty million dollars. Eighty million dollars from who are your investors? yeah? So let's see: Excel, Battery, mm -hmm. uh, USVP, First Round Capital. Um, we've done uh, the last rounds were Co2 was from Co2 mm -hmm. and uh, GGV. Um, really great investors. Mm -hmm. uh, been really very fortunate. So what do they expect now? We, the market seems to have shifted rather dramatically in terms of. Are you a unicorn yet? Is what's your valuation? We're sub unicorn, and sub -unicorn. Uh, we can talk about that. But but happy with where we are. So. All right, but you are in a class of companies. There's a lot of squeeze going on right now. Now presumably you are. Profitable or not profitable? I don't so know. So we're near profitability. So this okay. is one of the big shifts that's happened mm -hmm. in the marketplace is that a year ago, it was all about growing, growing, growing so you could raise the next round. Right, exactly. And we saw that growth, that, growth, growth. that was not necessarily sustainable. I didn't want to necessarily put all of the- You were growing very strongly though. We still are growing very, right. very strong. And right. uh, But we didn't want to necessarily put the, the risk for the employees, for- uh, even the existing investors into we have to raise the next round. Mm -hmm. So what we did is we shifted to focusing on unit economics. We focused on profitability. Um, we are still growing at the same rate. In January, we grew revenue 200% year over year. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm really proud of what the team's done, but we've also cut the costs and improved our profitability and profile. We'll be profitable in the next few quarters, if not the next few months. So what do you see coming? Because it is definitely, there's a lot of, these are going to, we talked this morning on CNBC about that, the idea of, like this is troubled times for a lot of companies and people feel like most things will be acquired, that there'll be a shakeout, that those who didn't raise enough money are going to be in trouble, even if they're very laudable companies and should be invested in. Did you feel that yourself? Or are you worried about that? Or how do you prepare for that as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I'm not. Well, how we prepared about it is prepared for it is shifted the focus of the, the business from growth to responsible and profitable growth. And mm -hmm. we're way ahead of a plan on that. So really happy with the execution of the team and everybody's behind it. We also have enough money to get to that plus a lot more. Um, we don't have to raise another dime. So I think that if you're a business that has to raise more money and you have to be in that position uh, or you have to have those conversations with investors, that can be very difficult now because the terms have gotten much more difficult. Why? Because it was so hot for, I mean, what happened? Well, you know, you look at the public markets, you look at there's a lot of concerns um, around Asia growth. There's a lot of reasons for this that could happen. You know, who knows what's going to happen in the election? All these things happen and then um, it creates uncertainty in the market, creates fear. I, I don't know why it happens, but that's happening right now. And mm -hmm. when it shifts, uh, you go from a, a company that can raise money at any terms to a company that has to give up a lot to raise money. And we'll be in a position where we can choose to raise money or not by this summer. Mm -hmm. And I want to be in that position. I don't so want to So the more attractive company now are those are on their way to profitability or very close to profitability. Mm -hmm. yep. Does growth still matter? I mean, the idea of enormous growth. Absolutely. I mean, it, it's both of those matter equally. And mm -hmm. so if you have a company that's profitable but not growing, mm -hmm. you know exactly what that company is worth. You can just you know, do the multiple on the earnings right. and it's right. like a bond. Right. Um, so that's pretty boring as an investment. Yeah. So you have to be growing. And you know, that's what attracted investors to these companies rather is that the growth was in the hundreds of percent year over year. So we're going to finish up this section talking a little bit about tips for entrepreneurs. One of the things we have a lot of people listening all over the place talking about mistakes made. Give me a mistake you made and how you corrected it. 
I mean, I'm sure there's multiple. I have multiple mistakes. But is there one that you think you learned something from and then one that you think you pulled off flawlessly? You know, I don't know if there were mistakes as much as not moving quickly enough when we saw the market changing. Such and, as? Give it, you know, so, so we started moving towards uh, improving our unit economics, but we didn't move as aggressively enough on things like reducing credits and coupons and discounting and talking to our suppliers about their margins that, that we're paying, about just having those difficult discussions. We're having those now. Those discussions are going well. There's still a very, very strong partnership with our suppliers and our hotels and with our customers. Um, mm-hmm. It's never been better. Uh, but uh, we didn't move as quickly as I, I think we should have on that. Mm-hmm. And in terms of what causes you to do that, what influences you to make a change? Is it your investors? Is it you or what? Yeah, you know, as an entrepreneur, you get a lot of different input. So mm-hmm. we had people saying this two years ago. That wasn't the right time to listen to them. We have people that were saying, grow, 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 um, you know, even until the last minute. So it's really hard to ultimately make the call based on external information. I think what it was for me was like looking at what are the goals? Where is this modeling out at? And sitting down with our, our great CFO and going over it and then seeing what we needed to do to get uh, to sustainability. And for entrepreneurs right now, I'd say that even if you're not profitable and don't have a, you know, a way to get profitable by the next round, focus a lot on unit economics. That's what people are going to look at. Mm-hmm. So if you're doing, there were companies out there, I think in the home cleaning space, that every time they did a transaction, they lost more money. Right. And they'd be better off like closing the business down, which is ultimately what they did. Yeah. So they reduced their burn by growing their business, which uh, isn't a great place to be. We didn't focus, I think, on unit economics early enough. We were focused on growth. Now that we are, we can focus on growth and profitability at the same time. If Even if you're doing a, a fraction of what you'll ultimately be doing if you can show that you've got you make a lot of money um, mm-hmm. and that, that money will grow over time then uh, that'll be a, a great place to be if you're subsidizing every transaction both operationally as well as with discounts to consumers I think it's a really difficult place to be well I'm enjoying all the food from all those food service <laughs> enjoy while you can yeah, exactly enjoy <laughs> it while you can All right. Are you an entrepreneur or startup looking for legal help with your financing, acquisition, or incorporation? If so, then you should consider checking out Walker Corporate Law. Walker Corporate Law is a different kind of law firm. Unlike traditional law firms, they only have lawyers with 10 to 25 years of experience, which means you're going to get personal attention from a senior lawyer, not a junior lawyer getting on the job training. They also encourage fixed fees because they believe that when lawyers bill by the hour, it rewards inefficiency. So check them out at walkercorporatelaw.com or you can actually call the founder, Scott Walker, at 415-979-9999. That's walkercorporatelaw.com or 415-979-9999. We'd also like to thank SoFi, our newest advertiser. SoFi is a new kind of company that's about to send shockwaves, the good kind, hopefully, through the financial world. They've decided that banks aren't going to fix banking, which they said in a Super Bowl ad that got a lot of attention. So they brought some of that thinking to the table. Unlike big banks, SoFi is a progressive, nimble, and innovative. Uh, They don't judge their members based on FICO scores. Instead, they look at their potential, and if they show promise, they'll back them for life. Because SoFi is totally unlike a bank, they can provide services and rates that banks can't. So if you're looking for a financial partner that does a whole lot more than finance, visit SoFi.com. That's S-O-F-I.com. Terms and conditions apply at SoFi.com.
We're here with Sam Shank, the co-founder and CEO of Hotel Tonight, which is a, what do you call it? Yeah, we, we used to be a mobile booking app, um, okay. and now we also have a mobile website. So I guess we're a mobile booking service. All right. So where are you going from here? Do you have to like start to get into other areas or just hotel? Everyone gets into other areas, right? There, there's just no limit to what people change and morph into. You know, you know I believe a lot in focus. and. Right now, the focus is on doing what we do, but getting right. more people to know about it. Our awareness within a target market, our target market, our core customer is 25 to 35, um, urban dweller, but our target market is 25 to 55 booked um, on a mobile device, booked travel on a mobile device, right. on a smartphone. And of, within that, it's like 10% awareness, like mm-hmm. not even like usage, it's just awareness. So mm-hmm. we have so much more runway to tell the story about it. Once people find out they can save time, they can save money, they get these great hotels for less lower price than they would have otherwise. But, but what I mean is, do you have to get to hotels and other stuff tonight? Like that kind of, could you go into restaurants? Do you see yourself doing that? Maybe, but I think it would, be, it would be very, very difficult for us to do that and execute the, the level that we want to execute on with right. hotel. I think that where we're going and, and getting into that is through our ACES concierge service. So mm-hmm. it's a chat-based, we built it all in-house, chat-based, messenger-based type of system mm-hmm. for after a booking within 15 cities. If you spend more than $200, you get access to this and you mm-hmm. can ask them to do anything, send Hours to the room. I had lost. A, I forgot a toothbrush. So more um, services. More services, and also I need a place to go tonight. I need mm-hmm. a reservation. Um, what do I do tonight? And that gets us a sense of what people that are using hotel tonight are also interested in. And if we see sort of patterns there, then we can productize that and automate right, it. Right. But you don't imagine like that services on top of the hotel ser- that are adjacent to the hotel services, not plane booking, for example, or restaurant booking or things like that. We're very focused on, on lodging right on now. That. Yeah. So talk about the wider travel end. I want to end up talking about that and, and how you, what it's looking like. Things have changed really dramatically. I think Airbnb probably is the one you think about quite a bit. They could get into hotels easily. I've talked about it. I've talked about full experiences. I know Brian Chesky has talked about lots of experiences. He keeps using that word, which I think means hotels and everything else. They have sort of set themselves up as an anti-hotel company in a lot of ways, and, or, and the hotel companies are quite aggressive at them. What is happening in the travel industry? How do you look at it from where you are? You're a smaller company, but you sit in an important spot. You know, I think that what's happening is that people are looking for more authentic experiences, um, for sure, when they travel and when they're looking for lodging. And on the far end of that is staying in Noe Valley or a neighborhood or in Brooklyn mm-hmm. um, in somebody's house when they're there, too. That's very authentic. That's mm-hmm. you know outside of my personal comfort zone, but you know, that's, <laughs> that's yeah. something that, that people can latch onto if they're looking for that really immersive experience. You know, on the other end, an authentic experience, um, what I'm more comfortable with is staying at a great boutique hotel um, mm-hmm. that's got an awesome bar on the roof maybe in New York or that's got a really great restaurant Mm -hmm. and it's got really personalized service and the that's bringing in sort of the same level of hospitality that Mm -hmm. you're getting when you are staying at an Airbnb ostensibly Um, but it's doing it in a a consistent environment in a place that you know um, a place where you know you're going to get a great night's sleep so that's the uh, you know I think that that's where it's going and there's sort of two ends of the spectrum there where I think that it's uh, the companies that are in trouble are the big box chains, and I think right. that they're going to have to really reinvent their businesses. You're talking about the Expedias and, the- and more, sorry, more the the Marriotts in terms right, of the hotels, yeah. Marriotts, Hiltons, right. and those 
companies just don't provide it. They're not authentic. They don't provide a, a this sort of boutique and and really um, engrossing experience. Yeah, it's um, interesting because I always joke that Four Seasons are holiday inns for rich people, but um, <laughs> but they're all the same. You're right. It doesn't have a, a specialized kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, are, you can plop a holiday inn anywhere and it's going to feel exactly the same. And yeah. so I think that that is a, an experience that used to be great. This you know the Hilton's and the Marriott started when you were driving across the country and you didn't know what you were going to get at these guest houses. Now there's all this transparency with TripAdvisor, with mm-hmm. you know, services like us and Expedia. You can see those, what you're going to get beforehand. Now you want a consistent experience, but you want something different that takes, that's memorable, that's mm-hmm. authentic. And so and, that's, and those guys from, are going to have to reinvent their business. And from the innovation of the industry, where does it, what is something you see out there in the travel space that you go, that's pretty cool, not your company? What do you look at and go, even a competitor that they're doing that you think is interesting? Yeah, I'm a big fan of Airbnb. I think Brian and I see the world very similarly. We both have a design background. Um, we're both focused on making travel more accessible, more human, um, more authentic. So, you know, really a big fan of what they've done. Um, you know, otherwise, I think that what we're going to see is a lot more automation of the things in travel that you don't like. And thinking about the hotel experience, it's like the check-in process mm-hmm. uh, or the checkout process, or process. you know, like calling the front desk. You know, anything that is something you don't like is going to be automated. So right. you'll just walk right up to your room. It's going to be all set up. The key for you. will be on you. Key will be on that your would phone. That would be nice on hotel tonight. That's yeah. the only part I have to talk to. Someone. We've done some uh, some experiments around that, and so that's one piece. The other is that that's going to leave time for the hotel to be a lot more hospitable. Mm-hmm. And uh, to bring in, you know, the, the recommendations or unique experiences within the hotel, or opportunities to um, to connect lo- with local guests, or things like that, are going to be much more prevalent. So, uh, hotels and Airbnbs are sort of merging in the middle. So, you, when you're talking about electric keys and things on your phone, is the phone still the center? That's where you were founded. Is the phone still the center? Or are we going to have eyeglasses that do this or chips in our head or something. I mean, I want you to think sort of broadly. Where is it? Is the phone still the key element of all your businesses right now? Yeah, I mean, the foreseeable future, the phone is. I don't think we'll call it a phone anymore, but your iPhone, whatever you want to call it, but, you know, this this computer you carry around. I think that the next big shift will be that you don't carry around a laptop anymore. That doesn't make any sense to carry around this iPhone as well as a laptop that's got about the same computing power in it. So Mm -hmm. I think that they'll plug into larger screens and you'll have an experience there. Maybe iOS Mm -hmm. 10, Mm -hmm. I don't know, 11. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be one of the next big shifts. And then it'll start getting smaller to get more immersive. And I like to think about it like what is – uh, a watch. A watch is technology that looks like jewelry mm-hmm. on your mm-hmm. wrist. Mm-hmm. And so, what are you wearing there? It's a Fitbit. Fitbit. Do you yeah. like that? I love it. Yeah, Do you? it's yeah. Uh, it's soft enough I can wear it. I have uh, lots of them in my drawer. Love you got a real watch on. Well, because I got yeah. sick of the Apple Watch. I got to. I keep saying that poor Apple, but it's. I just got tired of it. it I like useful. this, so you don't have to charge it. But every five days or yeah, something. Yeah, I don't really care about my steps. Yeah. Like the phone tells me. I don't know. I, don't, I, 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 I told I you I'm nerdy, so I still like that. No, but yeah. someday it's going to work, but not today. The notifications, that when my phone rings, in the mm-hmm. few cases it does, I get a That's notification what, here. That's what? The Fitbit what, sir? Uh, Fitbit Charge. Charge. Charge okay. HR. Yeah. 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 Well, you've got a big wrist. i got a lady wrist. A tiny wrist. Oh, thank you. Um, uh, but let me finish up by talking about what happens to your company. Do you have to get sold? Do you have to sell out? Or do you feel like you could, I mean, looking at this market today or this past week, anybody's got to be going, no way. I'm not going to enter that. You have Twitter just getting killed. You've got Yahoo, you know, down for the count. You've got even big companies, little companies. Do you imagine that's what you want to stay? Is that where because that's where you have to be headed? Presumably, you can't stay a private company forever. Yeah, I mean, at some point there's liquidity, and you know, I think that the two options are you sell the company or you go public. Yeah, I'd love to go public. Or you go to business. There's or you go to, well, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> <Let's not laughs> to do that. That's one. not happening. But from my standpoint, I've always wanted to take a company public. Um, mm-hmm. Not so much 
I actually think being a public company would be a big pain, but mm -hmm. uh, and a lot more negatives and positives. But in terms of us having the ability to go public, means that we've raised to a certain stature and built something that's meaningful enough to to go public. So mm -hmm. from that standpoint, it's I use it as a litmus test. Um, it would be fun to have that opportunity, um, and we're on the track for that. You know, mm -hmm. within a few years, we probably will be in an area with our growth rate and and our um, profits that we could look at that. But do you imagine a great consolidation? Many people feel like that's what's about to happen. Well, there's already that's already happened yeah. in, in online travel, um, right. and there's just great economies of scale, amazing economies of scale with travel in particular. Mm -hmm. um, so Orbitz, uh, Travelocity, uh, HomeAway were all scooped up by Expedia this year. So there's just always this, this kayak was bought by Priceline a few mm -hmm. years ago. So there's tremendous consolidation happening. And I don't mm -hmm. see that stopping. There's not a whole lot more to buy. And mm -hmm. you know, I'm really interested in building a sustainable and independent have company. Have you turned down offers? I'm guessing you have. I'm good friends with all the people there. <laughs> that means yes. That's a yes, just so you know. Last question. What do you, um, I ask everybody this, are you worried about innovation? Do, what do you see as super innovative? What has to happen? What's going to be the next thing? I know it sounds like a big question, but what are you inspired by as an entrepreneur? Yeah, I'm, I'm inspired by, I, I'm interested to see what happens with new devices, you mm -hmm. know, and new computing platforms. Um, and the area that I'm really fascinated with, I've been fascinated for a long time, is self-driving cars. Mm -hmm. And not so much the what it's going to do to driving and car ownership. I think that that's a foregone conclusion. In the Super Bowl, there were all these car ads, and all mm -hmm. of them are going to go away. So yeah. all of that money. Sure. Look, like, you don't care about the brand of your Uber or your Lyft. No. You care about that it shows up on time. So yeah. I always a, say car ownership is going to be like owning a horse. Totally. Like, I have is. a horse. Look, I have a car. So what's interesting to me is In what's happening to the shape of the cities because mm -hmm. of that. So if car ownership is like a horse, then you've got your garage, which is like a stable. Like right. how many houses have stables right now? Right. Very, very few. So right. you have this uh, requirement to have a stable at your mm -hmm. house, and the, the laws are going to change for that. So right. what do you do with all that extra capacity? Uh, apartment buildings, 20% of them go into 20% of the cost go into parking. So all of a sudden, housing becomes 20% cheaper. That's mm -hmm. a wonderful thing. And then Nobody can, wants to live in the basement, though, but go ahead. Yeah, Some but, will. <laughs> but then you don't have to build the basement, yeah. which is a huge cost. Um, right. I mean, look at the, the Transbay terminal. Mm -hmm. So, And then the other thing that's going to happen is that you can put the cars in areas that are out of the way. You can put that transportation, especially for delivery. So, mm -hmm. you know, at uh, Disneyland, most people don't know this, but they have a huge tunnel system underground. They do. Where all the food and supplies are delivered, mm -hmm. so you never see that. They call them the Dobbies. Yeah. yeah. And so imagine if San Francisco was like that. Yeah. Um, and the, all the streets are available exclusively for biking and walking in cafes. It'd be pretty cool. Well, we'd be civil then. Yeah. Not yelling at each other. That's the right. Yeah. All right. Anyway, Sam, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. That was great. If you enjoyed the interview as much as I did, be sure to subscribe to the show. Be the first to listen to future episodes or catch up on previous episodes, including some really fantastic interviews that I've done with Brian Chesky, Max Levshin, and Lena Dunham, just to name a few. You can find these interviews and more at recode.net slash decode. Don't miss our other podcasts, Recode Replay, Too Embarrassed to Ask, and our newest podcast, Recode Media with Peter Kafka. You can find them all on recode.net slash podcasts. Thanks for listening. This has been another episode of Recode Decode. Remember to subscribe to the show and leave us a review at iTunes.com slash Recode Decode. You can hear Peter Kafka this Thursday on the Recode Media Podcast. I'll be on Too Embarrassed to Ask this Friday with Lauren Good of The Verge, and then back here on Recode Decode on Monday with another great guest. Tune in then. This has been Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher, powered by digital media. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like AOL CEO Tim Armstrong, 
Goldman Sachs's CIO Marty Chavez, the team behind the hit TV show Empire, Shark Tank investor Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton. They're all on Recode Replay. 